We have gathered here this evening in God's presence as family and friends to remember the life of Harry Lamar Merck and commend his soul into the gracious care of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We come together in grief, acknowledging our human loss. May God grant us grace that in pain we may find comfort, in sorrow, hope, and in death, resurrection. The Word of God tells us that dying Christ destroyed our death, rising Christ restored our life. Christ will come again in glory. As in baptism, Lamar Merck put on Christ, so in Christ may he be clothed with glory. Here and now, dear friends, we are God's children. What we shall be has not yet been revealed. But we know that when he appears, that we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Those who have this hope purify themselves as Christ is pure. Hear these words of grace. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I hold the keys of hell and death. Because I live, you shall live also. Let us pray. O God, who gave us birth, You are ever more ready to hear than we are to pray. You know our needs before we ask and our ignorance in asking. Give to us now your grace that as we shrink before the mystery of death, we may see the light of eternity. Speak to us once more your solemn message of life and death. Help us to live as those who are prepared to die. And when our days here are accomplished, enable us to die as those who go forth to live, so that living or dying, our life may be in you, and nothing in life or in death will be able to separate us from your great love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. If you will, join me in the the reciting of Psalm 121, which is printed in your bulletin. I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. I can remember the first time that I was greeted by Lamar Merck. He said, Hello! I can't, I can't quite get the intonation Right. It was the same way that he would greet me when I would visit him in the hospital at his house 
on Tuesdays before the Woody Powell sharing group and XYZ. I've got to tell you, I will miss hearing him greet me. I will miss all of his hellos. I will miss seeing him in the hallway and his, in his spot in our sanctuary. Our youth will miss seeing him on Sunday morning during the fellowship time when they made his cup of coffee. In fact, they knew Mr. Lamar so well, they had his coffee ready for him when he came into the fellowship hall. The Woody Powell class will miss his presence on Sunday mornings. And the sharing group will miss him on Tuesdays. We're going to miss seeing Lamar around this place, and that's not just because he was a fixture here at Pittman Park, a long-term member. We will miss him because he was part of our lives. His presence lifted us up and gave us strength. He reminded us that God's promise, God's protection, and God's provision are real no matter what life throws at us. We will miss Him because when He said that He was praying for us, He really meant it. He had that kind of integrity of character. And His constant joy-filled presence will be missed among us here. Lamar truly was one who was filled with joy. In fact, I don't ever think I've seen Lamar upset or even frustrated. And I've often wondered what his secret was. How could Lamar, with all that he faced and all that he struggled with in his body, keep that sense of joy, even happiness, about him? I think I know. Lamar lived with joy because he knew where his hope came from. And the beautiful thing about that hope is that it couldn't be broken by the situations and the circumstances of his life. It couldn't be thwarted by illness or disease or sickness or any other circumstance. That kind of hope is grounded in the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and the reality of God's presence with Him and with us at all times, even in these hard times. Lamar knew that the Lord was his keeper, that the very one who set the foundations of the earth and scattered the stars among the heaven, that it was this God who was keeping him as he went out and as he went in, in this time and forevermore. I can't wait to see Lamar again and to hear him say hello one more time. This is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that this life is not the end, but the beginning of life eternal. Amen. At this time, I'd like to call on Bill Spieth, a member of the Woody Powell Sharing Group, to come and share some thoughts about Lamar and what he meant to the members of that group. Hi. I wonder how many of you know that Lamar's first name was Harry. Very few, I believe. But Lamar became a member of our Woody Pal sharing group about 40 years ago. Terry Heath and I were two of the original members with Woody Pal, and Ed Brown was one, and Jack Hicks, I think, was another. There were six of us. 
The Times got that we had 15 and 20 people there. But Lamar was always present. Every Tuesday morning, when we originally met at 6.30 and got out, left out at 7.30 so people could get to work. And then after we all retired, or most of us, that he was still there and we'd meet at 8 o'clock. And when Meyer became infirmed, he still came. His wife, Betty, as loving as she is, got him ready every Tuesday morning. And when he was unable, or she was unable to do that any longer, we made it a point to try to go to their home once a month and have our sharing group there and meet together and pray. So Lamar was a courageous individual. The life he led should be honored by all of us. But so many of us fail to visit the needy, the sick, and the homeless. I'm guilty of that myself. I feel, you know, I went to see Lamar a number of times at his home. I saw him in the hospital. I saw him in the hospice. But I didn't see him enough. There's so many of us fail to see those. And as we see in our confession for communion, we fail to hear the cry of the needy. I want to recite to you a poem I recited at Terry Heath's funeral. It's a message from an English poetist, and it's called Around the Corner. And John Hanson Town was the man who wrote it. And it's, uh, it admonishes us as individuals for not visiting the needy and the sick and the homeless. And it goes like this. Around the corner, I have a friend in this great city that has no end. Yet days go by and weeks rush on, and before I know it, the year is gone. I never see my old friend's face, for life is a swift and terrible race. But he knows I like him just as well as in the days when I rang his bell and he rang mine. We were younger then, but now we are busy, tired men, tired with trying to make a name. Tomorrow, I say, I'll call on Jim just to show that I'm thinking of him. But tomorrow comes and tomorrow goes, and the distance between us grows and grows, around the corner, yet miles away. Here's a telegram, sir. Jim died today. And that's what we get and deserve in the end. Around the corner, a vanished friend. Thank you. Hear these words from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 46, verses 3 and 4. Listen to me. O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been born by me from your birth, carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am he. Even when you turn gray, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. 
I will carry and I will save. Our third lesson is from the epistle, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 to chapter 5, verse 1. Paul writes, So we do not lose heart, even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure, because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. For we know that if this earthly tent that we live in is destroyed, then we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Would you stand for the reading of the gospel? From John chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bear fruits, He prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. There are times, as we particularly know this week, When death comes so suddenly, so unexpectedly, that the whole community is seared with grief. And yet, there are times when death approaches almost like an old 
friend welcomed at the screen door. This is the way it was for Lamar. Although our loss is great, we are able to collect ourselves and celebrate his life, which is not a hard thing to do, is it? Aren't you grateful for Lamar Merck? I want to spend just a few moments thinking with you about the images that come to mind when the name of Lamar Merck is mentioned today and will be mentioned in the future. I know that you have probably already noticed that we do not have flowers on the altar. Did anyone see the appropriateness of the pine bough? This beautiful plume of long leaf as it rests there was plucked, I am sure, from some majestic tree in our community. Somewhere early on, Lamar fell in love with trees. Do you realize that? He was a forester because I think he fell in love with trees. I don't think he fell in love with trees because he was a forester. Where in the world that happened, I'm not sure, though. Did he fall in love with trees as an extension agent with the university system of Georgia? Was it at Union Camp where he, just in looking at the number of trees that he no doubt saw on a daily basis, fell in love with the beauty of their structure, their design, their branches? Did he fall in love with trees at Duke when he was studying for his master's or at West Virginia as he was getting his undergraduate degree? Was it as a boy that he fell in love with trees? I don't know, but you know his email bears the name Tree Man, which is so appropriate. Some people endure their jobs. He loved his work. He truly loved his work. Forestry is an image that will forever come to mind when the name Lamar Merck is mentioned. I asked Betty this question. I said, what comes to mind when you think about Lamar immediately? Immediately, Betty said, integrity, integrity. Betty's immediate response after that was he was always doing what was right. It was a part of who he was. The strength of his morals, living by high, high principles. Of course, these undergirded with the foundation of the Bible, of course, every day for him. There was not a profane bone in his body. He was sincere when he spoke to you. Where did he learn this? 
Did he learn it when he was in the army off in Korea? He didn't talk about that much. But did what he encountered there somehow mark his life so that he swore himself to godliness of nature and to integrity? Did he learn it as a boy living in a jail? You say, what? Living in a jail? When he was a child, his father was deputy sheriff. They lived on the fifth floor of the jailhouse. Did he learn it there? I'm sure he was picking up on it. There's this incredible article that his grandmother saved and that finally Harold and Betty were able to locate yesterday. She said, I know this is here somewhere. And they found it. It's an article about a seven-year-old child who saved a man's life in the jail. What? He had ridden the elevator hundreds of times with his daddy and his mama. It was one of those old elevators with the accordion doors. You remember? Do any of you have any memory of that? where you felt the elevator shaft all around you and could reach out and touch it if you put your hand through it. Well, the man that was on the elevator had laid his cigar on the top edge and it fell off. He reached without thinking. His hand became stuck between the elevator and the side wall. And he was dangling from the top of the elevator and saying, Put it in reverse to a seven-year-old. And Lamar, that seven-year-old, reversed the elevator and saved the man's life. Did he learn some integrity there? No doubt he did. Did he learn it from his parents? watching and respecting them and how they engaged with the community. I suspect perhaps this was the best place in which he was picking up on integrity. Somewhere along the line, he instinctively, instinctively wanted to do what was right. When the name Lamar Merck is mentioned in the future, I'm going to think, Integrity, are you? It's an image that's going to come to mind. Here's another one. This is one that I add to it. It's attitude. Not that he had one. He defined it. Lamar was so positive. Did you pick up on this? Everywhere he went. This sense of energy in his spirit, even when he was confined to a wheelchair. I was so enamored with the idea that not just early on, but later in age, when he was still working, he was known to grab the top of a chain-link fence and just jump over it. 
This is attitude, friends. He was a person of determination, a person of joy. And there was no disease that was going to rob him of that, no long, no matter how long the name of that disease was. Betty, you said it best of all. He didn't dwell on what couldn't be fixed. He would not talk about himself unless he were pressed to do so. He would not dwell on what couldn't be fixed. In fact, it was the brightness of his day that he was very willing to share with others. Now, I love poetry, and particularly the poetry of Dylan Thomas is powerful. But the poem for which he is most known is a poem that he wrote to his father at his father's death, And the words that he spoke to his father are these. Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at the close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Lamar would have wondered what he was talking about. Because Lamar was undaunted by death even. He was a person who understands better than most that death is a point of transition from this life to the next. And isn't that something you and I should be claiming in these Sundays, these weeks of Easter time? His attitude was one of determination. He wasn't so concerned about the dying of the light, but the seeking of the light that was before him. His attitude also included much wit. I hope you remember that. And sarcasm. He was good at it. But it was always done with kindness. Did you pick up on that? That he never used sarcasm to hurt anyone. He would use it to lighten the mood. He was always kind. Always. And so what will you remember when the name Lamar Merck is mentioned in the days to come? I'm going to remember attitude. That's an image that sticks with me. What is it that you'll remember about Lamar? Another thing that we should all know, and I know you do, is that he loved his family. He dearly appreciated Betty, who has been faithful to him in such beautiful ways over the course of these 64 years. But as they have carried this marriage covenant to its ultimate end for those that remain together for the discovery 
that it always leads to sickness and in health. And how faithful, Betty, you have been over these last 10 years. In fact, he would not have lived 10 years if you had not been beside him. He would not have lived 10 years. And we all know that. And Harold and Jeannie, how precious your commitment to him and to your parents has been through these trying moments. And if Howard were here, he would at least shake his head that this was a great family. You will have remembrances throughout your life of the ways in which Lamar built family. Some of it you didn't like. The delegating of responsibility, which I have no doubt he would call an economy of work. (laughs) Harold, I look at you with that because I know that he asked you to do many things. But don't you remember the trips in the motorhome? Those would not have happened had he not wanted to be close to all of you and to share that time. And so when the name Lamar Merck is mentioned, will you remember family? Another image that comes to my mind when the name Lamar Merck is mentioned is church. They were not charter members, but who's counting here? Come on. They were a part of this church from its beginning and saw it through to this very day. There was love for the choir, not just participation in it. There was love for the trustees and the finance committee and the Woody Powell group, as Bill, you have already shared so beautifully. There was love for the XYZ because it was hands-on. It was this willingness to help. And we're not talking about just Lamar here. We're really talking about Betty at the same time because the two of them come as this package. But it was this generosity, not just toward God, but generosity born of God that has been a part of their life. In Isaiah chapter 46 that Jonathan read just a few moments ago, the words are spoken, even when you turn gray, I will carry you. And they are evidence of this very fact. In 2 Corinthians, the words that our outer nature is wasting away, but the inner nature is being renewed, is evidenced in Lamar. A building from God, a house not built with hands. And in John chapter 15, did you pick up on the last part here? Beyond where Jesus is talking about being the true vine, ultimately he comes in this sharing with his disciples that this is about fruit, fruit that will last. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. 
when we think about fruit lasting at our house, I'm always thinking about how quickly the bananas need to be eaten. When I think about fruit lasting, I think about laying out four or five dollars for some strawberries and putting them in the refrigerator and thinking, okay, how long are they going to last? When I think about fruit at our house, I think about how we can make them last as long as they will. But but this is not what Jesus was talking about. You know that, don't you? I'm I'm tempted to go back into this and to reframe it a little bit. I am the true pine. Jesus might have said to Lamar, forgive me, those of you who might take offense realizing that I have such great respect for our scripture. For as Lamar looked at a pine tree, certainly he knew what fruit was. Now you and I have this love-hate relationship with pine trees, don't we? We love their majesty, but they drop their pine combs in our yards. And Lamar would have said, fruit, I prefer to call it. For in each pine comb, there is a host of seed that is just waiting to become new pine trees. And from the nature of his work, in church, which is this bright image to me of Lamar, he leaves things that will go on beyond him. Do you see the importance of this? Things that God will do beyond his years because that's what God does. Now, I've lifted him to a high level, I realize. And I did this with Betty and Harold at home the other day. And Betty was quick to say to me, she said, now he was not a saint. He was very needy at times. (laughs) And she went on to say, she said, you remember he was an only child, an only grandchild on one side and an only nephew. He got all kinds of attention and then I came and had to deal with that. I can sort of hear Lamar speaking over our shoulders from heaven when these words of Betty, she says, he was not a saint. And Lamar says, but I was close. I died trying. (laughs) Oh, how precious these memories and how real. He wasn't a saint, but ask those that were close to him if there wasn't something special about him. Ask Cynthia about this. Ask Martha. Ask ask anyone over at Ogeechee Hospice about this. And you will find out that he was genuine with every soul that came in contact with him and kind to every soul. And I come back around to what Betty said. He had integrity. He had integrity. When the name of Lamar Merck is mentioned, let's remember these images of who he was. 
One last image. Lamar approaching St. Peter at the gate. St. Peter reaches over to unlatch that door and Lamar puts up his hand and says, no, I got this. He grabs the top of the fence and leaps over. God has blessed us, has he not? Blessed us with a remarkable image of a man whose life was well lived. Let us pray. God of love, we thank you for all with which you have blessed us even to this day, for the gift of joy in days of health and strength, and for the gifts of your abiding presence and promise in days of pain and grief. We praise you for home and friends and for our baptism and place in your church with all who have faithfully lived and died Above all else, we thank you for Jesus who knew our griefs, who died our death, and rose for our sake. Almighty God, into your hands we commend your child, Harry Lamar Merck, in sure and certain hope of resurrection to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Would you turn with me as we share in singing a final hymn? You'll find it on page 364, Because He Lives. Let us stand.
benediction. Gracious God, we trust that beyond absence there is a presence, that beyond pain there can be healing, that beyond brokenness there may be wholeness, that beyond disorder there may be peace, that beyond hurting there may be forgiveness, that beyond silence there may be your holy word, that beyond the holy word there may be understanding, and that through understanding always, always, that there may be love. This is our prayer in Christ. Amen.